Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Welcome into our program here today. Those of you that had a chance to be on our first and 15 a moment ago, and those of you who check out all of our platforms live right now, including radio and podcasts, everything else. It's a special day for me. I get a chance to talk to John Stinchcomb here off the very top of the program. And we're for those of you listening, we're doing this on video. And, you know, every time I stand next to one of these, like, you know, former players, it always makes me, like, I'm 6'2". Like, I feel like 6'2 is a pretty good size for a, for a grown man. But you stand next to John Stinchcomb, like, I'm barely coming up to your shoulder. I didn't realize you... I didn't realize you were so – it's almost like we're going to have to do, like, the basketball. You ever watch the basketball play-by-play guy talking to the color analyst where they turn the chair around? He has to sit on the back of the chair. I didn't realize you were so tall. I mean, I guess I should have, but, uh, you know, that's, a, that's, an, that's an NFL combine-level height right there, which is good for you, but it's making me very self-conscious. I'm going to stand closer to the camera to make people think I'm the same height as you are. Well, yeah, just to change the depth of it, fans will never know. And, you know, being in a team hotel, you see – a lot of the guys, and when you're in a locker room, you get used to it. You're used to surrounding, no, yeah. surrounding yourself by really big folks, and um, you know, hey, you you walk by most of them, you say those are big dudes. And what's strange is when you walk by like a Darnell Washington or a Jordan Davis, and they stick out when you're in a land of giants, and then there's some anomaly. I mean, I think it just speaks to their. I think Darnell Washington gets bigger every week. I think oh. he's like a. I think he's like a Photoshop, where like they just keep expanding the boat, the borders oh. expanding. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And obviously, for so many Georgia fans, that's a guy they want to see used effectively. Not you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot this week is, hey, you know what Brock Bowers can provide you. Alabama knew it the first time, still had ten catches. Michigan knew it in the Orange Bowl last Friday night still began the game with a wide-open touchdown. That opposing defenses may know Brock Bowers is going to get it, but they can't stop him from getting it. That's how good he's been. That's how effective Todd Munkin has been at getting him involved in the offense. But it's got to be more than just that tonight because just Brock Bowers alone wasn't enough to lead you to victory the last time around. So if you just want to dive right into the football conversation, you mentioned Darnell Washington. That, to me, is one of those guys, along with a Jermaine Burton or uh, certainly a James Cook or – you know, I, I think George Pickens now more healthy and deserving to get a chance to touch the ball tonight. You got to find a way to get one of those offensive weapons alongside a Brock Bowers and put a, a similar stat line together for somebody else. Yep. And what I like is you mentioned Todd Munkin and what he's done an exceptional job of all season long is creating those individual mismatches. I think what separated Georgia's offenses in years past to what we see now is you see play designs that put a defense in a bind. You saw James Cook out at that wide receiver spot. Is he lined up against a linebacker? Because we like that matchup every time, right? Same thing with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Just because of their skill set, it creates mismatches. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of 13 personnel where you have Darnell Washington and Fitzpatrick and Brock Bowers to kind of figure out what's Alabama going to do against that front. Because, you know, if they play it heavy like you traditionally would against three tight ends, mismatches across the board, right? You don't want to see any linebacker, even a safety against Brock Bowers if you're Alabama fan, which would be great for us. And same thing for Darnell. I think that the past two games, whether it's the SEC championship, his touchdown in the end zone, where it's like, we, we, we don't think you can cover a man of this stature. Right. And, and they, we try to run the exact same thing against Michigan. And, you know, the safety has to make a great hit to dislodge the ball. But because of his uh, physical presence, that's a mismatch no matter what. I mean, the man is enormous. And like you say, every time you get close to him, you just you, you can marvel at how 
truly different his size is. Let me be a fan here for a moment because I have to confess something that, you know, in addition to like what we do here on the show, which you break down all the ways in which Georgia can win, and, you know, we're kind of professional talkers, so we can sort of chop it up a thousand different ways. But a lot of times privately I find myself – trying to decide, okay, what is it you really think? Like, you know, like, do you really think George is going to win this game? This is the kind of internal self-conversation I have. Do you really think George is going to win this game? You know, you know, what do you really envision having on Monday? And it's kind of funny. I've sort of ridden a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions in my own mind over the last couple of days, and I just want to be kind of candid about this as we kind of get going here, which is I think somewhere around, like, say, Saturday night, I really – started coming to grips with the fact, you know what, I think George is going to win this game. I, I, you know, I do think George is going to win this game. And I don't know that in previous Georgia-Alabama matchups, probably the, certainly the one this past December I did, but 2017, 2018, some of those other big games, I don't really quite know if I ever kind of got to that moment where I was like, yes, I definitely think George is going to win this game. Around Saturday night, I started kind of feeling that way. And yet I also have to just be very honest here for a moment. Being here, we're only a few steps away from the stadium here right now. It kind of hangs over where we stand. The college, you see the College Bowl Playoff logo behind us. It's literally pasted everywhere in this city. There is such a big game vibe in this city right now that that feeling of confidence that Georgia is going to win, I'm not saying it's gone. I'm saying it's sort of replaced with the tension and the anxiety of it's hard not to be walking around Indianapolis and not come full into full confrontation with just how big this game is. There's clearly a big game feel around here and it's it's ridiculous to say this because I'm not gonna call a play, I'm not gonna, you know, you know, make a tackle, I'm not gonna, you know, tote the football today. But some of my like big game butterflies have come in in a big way, having been here for about the last twenty four hours, just because that's kind of the vibe in Indianapolis. This has that you played in a Super Bowl, you won a Super Bowl you know, this is college football's version of that. And Indianapolis, I'll give it credit, has done a good job of making this city feel like the host of a very big game coming up tonight. Yes, they have. And, and you, like you say, that 2022 logo is literally everywhere. Uh, but let me speak to a little some, something you hit on with dog fans. It's, it's almost the, the paradox of being a dog fan because in the offseason, it's eternal optimism, right? It's like this is our year every year. And then when we get closer, there's that paradox of, Ah, we never, we can't, you know, and and what's funny, and maybe we thank the Braves for this because they broke through that glass ceiling that, you know, there's the Georgia curse, the Atlanta curse where we couldn't win any championships. And now I think there is a realistic um, feel among most of the Georgia fans that I know that it's like they don't have that negative skew like, you know, I think we can do it, but we'll probably find a way to look. You don't see that right now. I think it's it's like this is our year. This is our chance tonight, and I really feel like George is going to take advantage of it. I'm excited to be a part of it. All right, coming up in a moment, here's what you're going to do. You're going to hear from George coach Kirby Smart, George quarterback Stetson Bennett, N'Kobe Dean, Georgia linebacker, and Alabama coach Nick Saban on various topics surrounding this game. Uh, before we do that and kind of as a lead-in for that, you said that you spent a little time around the players the last couple of days. I'm both curious what you think the vibe is right now, and I'm also curious how much a vibe like this can be measured because sometimes I'm a little bit skeptical that after the fact you can say, oh, we didn't quite have our edge on that game, or in the case of the Orange Bowl, oh, we had a great edge because you happened to win. You obviously know so much more about this than I do because you, you, you know, played in games like this. How much can you tell going into a game how ready your team is? And as someone who's been through that, being around Georgia a little bit the last couple of days, what kind of vibe did you get from this Georgia team around that hotel? 
Well, let me give full disclosure. I've passed them in hallways right. and seen them in elevators. We haven't been hanging out in team meetings. And, you know, it's tough to get a gauge because different personalities. I, we've, for players, we played with guys that were jokesters up until kickoff and, and were relaxed. And then you have others that are intense and laser focused. And, you know, you can't make eye contact with them walking down a hallway. So it's, it's hard from an outsider's perspective to kind of understand where a team's at mentally heading in. Um, but from my standpoint of view, they seem focused. They seem ready to go. That's what we're looking to hear. That's what we're looking to hear right there. Uh, and it's kind of funny. We should also point this out that while this to the fans who come here feels like a bowl game, this is a very different experience for the players themselves. Whereas when you go to the Orange Bowl, when you go to the Rose Bowl, one of those traditional bowl games, not just a college football playoff semifinal, but a traditional bowl game, there are weeks worth of activities. You know, you arrive, Georgia arrived on the 26th for a game that would be played on the 31st uh, last week in, in, in Miami, and there was, you know, yachts and um – uh, uh, by the way, you're getting a chance to watch the Georgia practice uh, as I'm talking right now. Of course, John and I can't see this where we are, but you're seeing the practice footage from uh, from from uh, what day it was Sat- yeah, Saturday night uh, in Lucas Oil Stadium, Georgia, going through its final practice of the season there in anticipation of this game here on Monday. So you get a chance to watch some of that right now from a little earlier. So this is Georgia practice that you're seeing on the screen in front of you. But just to finish the point that I was making a moment ago, which is that when you come in for a week's worth of activities for a bowl game, you know, there are dinners on yachts. There's, there's, you know, a trip to a famous restaurant. Everybody's having kind of that camaraderie type thing. Whereas for the college ball playoff, Georgia didn't get here on Friday night for a game that's going to be played on Monday. For the most part, this really is a true business trip. They'll say they're all business trips, but the bowl game requires you to step away from that at least a little bit. And Kirby Smart's also talked about the need to give a little bit of, you know, relaxation time because you can't stay, you know, in the red for the entire week leading up to the game. But for this, I mean, I'm guessing the players for the most part, it's too cold to go too much of anywhere. For the most part, they're kind of locked in that hotel room. They're here to get this game done. They're here to win this national championship. The mood around the team is going to be a little bit different for a national championship than a bowl game because there's just not as many extracurricular activities when you get to this spot in the season. Yeah, I think that's noteworthy. I think you look at the bowl games and you think, oh, this is a similar experience. It's not. I mean, you, you see that the time has been compressed as the how long they're in the city, obviously Indianapolis currently, um, and it's a work week. There's not the experiential uh, exposures that players get connected with a bowl where they're trying to entertain you and reward you for a season. That's The reward comes at the end of this game and not before, and you can see that there hasn't been the list of activities that you normally uh, come along with a bowl game. Uh, and in Georgia, for them, for this team, it's – Here's our schedule as we prepare for the game, and there's nowhere in there that's the fluffy, fun stuff that you get connected with bowls. Now, of course, I did run into a couple of player parents last night, and they were having plenty of fun, but the, <laughs> the players themselves are not getting a chance to do that. All right, it's John Stinchcomb. We're here live. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. want to give you a little bit of taste of what some of the key particulars involved in this game have been saying over the course of the last couple of days. We'll do that in a moment. But first, let me remind you that Dog Nation Daily, uh, as I said before, brought to you by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. You know, they're great at equipping your house with energy efficient windows and doors. I can promise you this, that matters this time of year. It's very cold where we are. It's kind of cold where I once was. Either way, whatever the energy you have around your house, whether it's the air conditioning during the warm weather time of year, the the heat during the cold weather time of the year, 
you don't want it escaping out inefficient, you know, windows and doors. The crevices of doors and windows that haven't been properly sealed aren't, you know, a quality product, the likes of which you get at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. So turn to them, make your house look better on the outside, feel better on the inside. Let me give you a couple of ways to get in touch and a great saving opportunity right now for, as well. Right now you can get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% APR for 24 months. Uh, so here's how you do it. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's the website. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or you can give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. I uh, corralled John Stinchcomb and pulled him away from his brunch, from his uh, <laughs> eggs benedict, and uh, dragged him over here to uh, be a part of our show today. So we're going to take full opportunity to let you ask him some questions here, and that's going to be a lot of fun here as we're doing our National Championship Preview Edition of Dog Nation Daily right now. But I also want to give you this. We asked John a moment ago, just from an eyewitness standpoint, what kind of mood have you seen around Georgia football? Kirby Smart was kind of also asked that when he arrived on Friday night, team playing, touching down here in Indianapolis. So sometimes we're on the road, it kind of makes sense to kind of put some audio together. So that's kind of what we've done here. It's a little bit from Kirby on how the preparation's going, how it's different than the last time Georgia played Alabama back in 2017 for the national championship. Some very strong words from Stetson Bennett, very strong words from N'Kobe Dean, and a little bit from Nick Saban on the concept of what it means for a, for a rematch here for the national championship. Great way to set the scene. Great way to get you ready for game time. Uh, let's take a listen to Kirby Smart right now on everything that's going to go down over the course of the uh, next 24 hours here from Indianapolis. This Kirby and the rest of the gang from Indy. Well, it's great. Um, guys have been great. We've had good practices. Uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, our guys are, are really fired up and um, Got a tall task, got a really good team to play, a very talented team. And, um, it's kind of unique having to play them, it feels like, almost back-to-back. -back. You, know, you play them uh, the last game of the regular season or the championship game, and, and now uh, an opportunity to play them what seems like, I don't know, how many weeks has it been? Four weeks, five weeks since then? And um, you look at that tape, you look at other tape, you try to find uh, things you can do differently, things maybe you can do better, and uh, our guys have worked really hard on that. So. I'm, I'm excited for them to get an opportunity to play. We're not completely done. We get to have a practice here um, and keep you know, getting better and, and, and finding things we can change, but certainly excited. And, of course, while most Georgia players are focused solely on the task at hand, quarterback Stetson Bennett says that he does also have an appreciation for the history that's at stake for a program that hasn't won a national championship in more than 40 years. You know, me and a player who graduated a few years ago kind of were talking about this the other day. You know, I know Lindsey Scott, he's from Wayne County. He's, he's um, that's down there where I'm from. Obviously, I know Herschel, Buck to Buck Blue, and a few other guys on the team. I grew up listening to, you know, Larry Munson highlights on YouTube, all his calls. But, you know, there's a there's a point in time when you become a player that you can't really be, be a fan anymore. And I don't really know when that switch was. And I don't really know why, but you kind of flip a switch um, because you go through the day-to-day -day and you know all these guys can't really be fans of them. I mean, you can't really be fan. I don't really know how to explain it. But, yeah, I guess I do know, you know, the magnitude for everybody else out there because I was a fan at one point. So, I mean, I know it's a, I know it's a pretty big deal. And while Bennett has an appreciation for the long-term history of what's at stake for Georgia, linebacker N'Kobe Dean says on behalf of his teammates – they are also laser-focused on 
what it would mean to beat Alabama right now in a game of this magnitude? You know, the mental approach uh, makes a big difference. Uh, just from the whole, um, the whole thing of it being a national championship. I mean, it's a national championship. You need, uh, you should, you should be prepared mentally. You should be prepared to give it your best on the field. You should expect your opponent to also be prepared to give it their best on the field. So uh, the mental and um, the mental and physical preparation for it, yeah, I feel like it should be uh, second to none. And Georgia coach Kirby Smart also explained as the team is getting focused, they're doing so in a little bit different way than maybe the last time these two teams played for the national championship. When that game took place in Atlanta, this one gives the dogs a chance to go on the road and be in a slightly different routine. Yeah, it's a little different. You know, that, that was extremely unique because we flew all the way across the country and we had a super fast turnaround. I, I remember that week being one of the toughest weeks of my life because it was like we got home, we started working on them. But then we, it was almost like a home game because we used our facility for most of the uh, practices before going over. It had a little more of an SEC championship feel to it, um, whereas this is unique. You get to travel, um, come to Indy, and, and, and the weather is uh, very different for uh, a Georgia-Alabama matchup. I can promise you that. And the other talking point that's gotten a lot of attention leading up to tonight is the fact that this is a rematch two teams that played each other in December that's something that Alabama coach Nick Saban was asked about when he got off the plane on Friday night and to a degree he downplayed the significance of Georgia and Alabama meeting again you know a lot of players um want to play in the NFL someday so this is something that's a common occurrence you know you play all the teams in your division twice uh so that means you're going to play the same team twice I don't think college players are actually used to that, uh, but you know this is something that um, you have to learn from whatever you could do better when you played the first time and uh, try to have the right mindset to know that um, you're going to have to be able to persevere and play with the same kind of energy and intensity in the game for 60 minutes you know, this time around. So it is different for college players, but it's something uh, and a good experience for them to get used to if they're going to play at the next level someday because it happens all the time. This when we're doing our first and fifteen a little earlier, but we got John Stinchcomb here with us as we go around the doghouse here now, uh, assisted today by our friends at AAA. But when you hear Stetson talk so candidly about understanding the nineteen eighty thing, understanding the national championship, the fact that you know he used to watch old Larry Munson highlight clips on YouTube, like that's what I did. You know what I'm saying? Now I've never had any chance to play quarterback for Georgia, but that's Bennett. I think really demonstrating himself to be not all that different than so many of us who kind of cut our teeth kind of the same way, going back and checking out those old highlights. You know, for me, I'm a good bit older than Stetson is. For me, it wasn't YouTube. It was my dad and my granddad, you know, kind of uh, give me those audio cassette tapes back then. That, but Because, you know, I'm not old enough to have remembered the night. I was alive, but not old enough to remember the 1980 season. But I learned about the history of Georgia football by having that passed down and shared with me. Stetson Bennett, a little bit different technology, a little bit more modern age, but kind of doing some of the same kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why... If he could get it done, if he can lead Georgia to a championship, it obviously goes down as one of the great stories of all time in terms of what he's overcome to be in that spot, but in terms of someone who just has that keen appreciation for what Georgia football is all about. Yeah, and you have to appreciate not only Stetson's perspective, but what we've seen from any player that's been able to get a microphone in front of their face. It seems like, and I would be foolish to think, whoever's pouring into these this team, these guys, these leaders, we're talking more than just X's and O's. They're giving them a perspective 
to appreciate and respect and I think uh, change their perspective on, on how this ex whole experience goes. I, and I, I commend the University of Georgia for providing whatever voice that is that's speaking into this team because you listen to some of these quotes and it's, I mean, mature well beyond their years. Nolan Smith and, and Stetson, their entire approach is much bigger rather than just the tunnel vision that you can normally see, not just from college athletes looking at this experience, but throughout sports, professional sports included, and to be able to have that sort of perspective heading into an opportunity like this, it's rare. No, I think it's exactly right. Uh, the other thing is, so many of us are just hungry for any kind of edge you think that George might be able to get. And one of the things that Smart kind of talks about there that I'm a little bit curious about, which is it was a very fascinating experience when Georgia played Alabama for the national championship in Atlanta in that Georgia came over on Friday, much the same way it does here, bust over, of course, slept in the hotel that Friday night, got in the buses again, went back to Athens to practice on that Saturday before playing uh, Alabama back in Atlanta on, on that Monday, that it was a national championship situation, but you weren't, I don't mean quarantined in the COVID sense, you, you weren't kind of sequestered off the way that you are when you go on the road. And, you know, Kirby, in, in the clip you heard, the, the formation of the question that kind of leads to that answer from Kirby was kind of all about the, hey, is there a better routine when you're doing what Alabama's doing, when you're getting on a plane, when you're flying, when you're you know, away from home, hotel, when you can kind of block out the distractions of being around at home. And, like, I'm not saying that playing the game in Indianapolis makes it more likely that Georgia wins, but I'm also going to tell you this. Georgia tried out Alabama several times in Atlanta. I don't mind taking a shot at them in another city. Let's just try some other, some other ground here, and let's just see if that works out a little bit better. I think every fan is willing to try something new when it comes to this series in particular, but – I think there's wisdom in that. I mean, you look at NFL teams and, and the ones that choose to go away from their normal routine, away from their site, the, the theology behind it is we need to be able to isolate these guys and have them focus just on football. And when you take away those common distractions that you have with familiarity from the area and those kind of things, hopefully it provides that laser focus that any team's looking for to gain that edge in, in preparation for the opportunity that uh, you've earned, and, and for this case, it's the national championship. We'll call that around the doghouse, of course, assisted today by AAA on the road, and it's been easy to get to Indianapolis. Of course, every time I'm traveling, I'm always taking AAA with me for both the roadside assistance, but also just better hotel rates, things like that. AAA is great with that. They can also be great for you on auto insurance there as well. By now, hopefully, you're acquainting yourself that AAA is a great resource for you when you're in the need for auto insurance. You can check them out uh, online aaa.com slash auto insurance that's aaa.com slash auto insurance and find out how you can switch and save this is such an important time to put as much money in your pocket as you possibly can with aaa you have a chance to switch and save today uh so check out aaa.com slash auto insurance and if you'd like to give them a call you can do so 866-380-1637 that's 866-380-1637 with that said we'll kind of see we're, we're rolling in the uh that's the right here, that's right exactly now. right yeah getting the uh, getting the uh the props kind of moved here i told you before that the national championship, like the 2022 college football playoff logo, it is literally everywhere uh, all around Indianapolis. The hotel that we're standing in right now, it's probably about 100 feet tall, literally outside the building. Uh, just It's literally everywhere. So that, that college football playoff national championship logo is certainly getting good use out of here in the uh, city of Indianapolis. And with that said, we'll transition. Normally the portion of the program we hear from John Stinchcombs, our Marlowe, I should say our classic city, 
Freudian slip by me. You can tell I'm on the road. Our uh, Classic City Lager Insider Update. Uh, that's normally when we hear from uh, John Stinchcomb. We've had him here for the entire show here today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you actually ask John some questions right now. I'll pull these up on Facebook and YouTube and dognation.com and allow you, as we roll into our Classic City Lager Insider Update, just kind of keep this conversation going. A lot of Georgia fans have it on their mind. Some of you, uh, you know, I feel sorry for the guys and gals who are obviously today's a Monday. You know, it's, if you're not in Indianapolis, today is a Monday. And that means there are a lot of folks got to put in their eight today so they can get home and get ready for uh, this evening. So if you're stuck at work, and obviously I would imagine the overall level of productivity in the Peach State today is probably not, probably not so great. So if you're just kind of biding that time at work, getting ready to get on home and get ready for a game time tonight, we'll do our part to see if we can kind of help uh, pass that time for you a little easier. If you think today's productivity is, is bad, just wait till tomorrow one after a not. win. Yeah, yeah, one <laughs> way Either it's going to be a lot of sorrow for people that just don't feel like doing it or a lot of happy people who just don't have time for it because <laughs> they're in the midst of celebrating. I've already said if Georgia wins, and I, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to think about this too much until it happens, very good chance I won't sleep for a week. I mean, there, there, there's a very good chance that I don't know when I'll leave Indianapolis. I mean, I, I, may, I may be here for four more days uh, if Georgia wins this thing before I have to come down off the clouds. But uh, that's, that's the kind of celebration you have a chance to, to at least consider when you get ready to do this later on tonight. Well, and I think that's the fans' appreciation of, of this opportunity. It's been four decades, four decades of this program that's been in the conversation we feel like has been a national brand for so long. And, and yet this has been our best opportunity, and it's obviously our next opportunity to kind of break through that gra- glass ceiling and, and finally raise that hardware that's been so elusive. And I think the anticipation is, uh, is going to be matched by the energy that fills that stadium tonight. Frank Patterson on YouTube was telling on me a little bit the fact that I was still tweeting last night after 1 a.m. Look, I feel like the part of my job here at Dog Nation is to be a reporter. Now, listen, you've got a lot of folks going to report on what Kirby Smart says. A lot of folks going to report about what happens at UGA practice. Part of my job sometimes is to report just what the scene's like late at night. So, so <laughs> if I'm out there, you know, hanging out with Georgia fans, doing all that, that's actually me fulfilling my role to all of you. For those of you that, that couldn't be here but you kind of want to know what the sights and sounds are, I'm just out there, man amongst the people, embedding myself into the, uh, into the scene there. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to give folks a taste of what it's like here. That's, yeah, that's a professional's job. You're, you're a selfless servant for the people, B.A., <laughs> to be able to sacrifice your time to be out amongst the fans so it's into the wee hours of the night. I, I'm sure all Dog Nation appreciates your sacrifice. I love that for sure. Um, Nicholas Williamson says, how elite do the coaches have to be tonight uh, for Georgia? I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about this. Even if I'm not quite smart enough to tell you, you know, everything that went wrong the first time and everything that needs to be different this time, I certainly can tell you about results, and sometimes that's all that really matters. And I think on one side of the ball in particular, John, I just think all of this begins and ends with do you get pressure on Bryce Young? And what's been really cool is is that, you know, some coaches maybe would be tempted to downplay such a specific goal, such a specific mission. becomes becomes It becomes very easy to judge if you did it or not. But I don't think this Georgia team has really done that at all. The players themselves have kind of admitted it. Kirby Smart, I would say, uh, certainly Dan Lanning, they've kind of openly discussed that, that when it comes to elite coaching performance, devising some sort of opportunity where you get pressure on Young, just more pressure, generally speaking, I would say also more pressure off the edge there as well, something that just really didn't happen the first time around. That's where the elite coaching performance, I think, begins and ends. How much can you do to uh, 
to create that opportunity just to get the pass rush that you did not have the first time. Yeah, I, I, that should be the difference between the SEC championship game and the national championship game is that singular focus. The focus not only from scheme, I mean, that's part of it, Coach Lanning and, and now Coach Muschamp and Schumann, they're going to have to devise a plan to create opportunities for our defense to affect Bryce Young. We saw it in the SEC championship, and we saw the contrast when you watch the Auburn film and the LSU film. When you get them under pressure and not just under pressure, but you get home, you can actually affect him and hit him and not allow him to have the time and escape the pocket and create the plays down the field like he did in the SEC championship, that Alabama offense is a different team. So, one, yes, you have to scheme it up. But the, the other thing is it's a personal affront to, to our very talented defensive line that the storyline coming out of the SEC championship is the inability of Georgia's elite defense, specifically that box, specifically that front line, their inability to get home, to get to Bryce Young, not have a single sack, that's, that is a motivator. That is um, an acute focus point for any player that, that values their own skill set. And, 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 you know, anytime you feel challenged, like I would say Georgia did against Michigan when they come in and, you know, offensive line saying run the damn ball on their T-shirts and the entire storyline is like, well, Michigan plays physical. I think we saw yeah. – what the what the D line thought about yeah, that yeah. that storyline heading yeah, don't into ever it? Never get them fired up like that. Again. Exactly. Don't ever do that again. Yeah, for sure. Foster Moss, a great Georgia fan, uh, who was also good enough to join us Saturday. We took we took some live calls on Saturday uh, on video. Worked out really well. Super fun. Foster was one of the folks who joined us a part of that show, and he checks in here on YouTube to say that my nerves are on edge today. I can barely deliver these packages. Foster, one of those guys trying to get some work done so he can be ready uh, for tonight. And Foster, we certainly understand how challenging that is. And I'll say this, too. John and I kind of talked about this a moment ago, which is that, look, I have a feeling going into this game that I just don't really typically have. Like, I don't typically get super, I would say, you know, nervous before a game, anxious before a game. I mean, for the most part, like, like I have a lot of work to do. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm always just kind of thinking about the next show, the next thing like that. And, you know, for the most part, whatever anxiety I might have as a fan is kind of superseded by the fact that I've just got tasks to accomplish, right? And um, obviously the same thing is true here in Indianapolis, but I still kind of find myself dealing with those kind of butterflies. I told you this off the top of the program, kind of find myself dealing with that tension here a little bit more so than I, uh, more so than I typically do. Uh, I think just the magnitude of this has kind of hit me square in the face of just how big a game this is and just how much both short-term, long-term history there is at stake for Georgia. It doesn't mean there's no tomorrow if Georgia loses, but it is going to hurt. It is going to sting. And, and the games that matter most do have those kind of emotional stakes. So I'm kind of right there with Foster, man. I am on, uh, it's a cliche to say I'm on pins and needles, but I am truly, you know, just wound as tight as can be on pins and needles, very, very anxious for that nighttime to get here and actually be in that stadium and finally see what this looks like. Well, I don't think the players are the only ones going through their pregame routine and making sure that, you know, they eat the right things and they're wearing the right pair of socks. I think there are plenty of fans out there that are making sure they don't do anything to jinx the team. They probably won't sit next to particular people in anticipation for this game because, you know, we, only, we always lose when I sit next to Uncle Eddie. Or, you know, if I don't wear my game day pants, then you know, our team won't do as well. So I, I think everyone is trying to do everything they can to take care of, of their responsibility and, and put our team in position to win tonight. 
Chris Free reminding folks that I guess Stegman Coliseum is open for folks to watch the game tonight. I know some Georgia fans, including some that have reached out to me, were hoping they might do that at, uh, at the stadium. You know, I think from a logistics standpoint, that probably just proves very challenging in a time in which technically Georgia still in, in, uh, in, in classes here. But they are going to, I believe, open up Stegman Coliseum, so Georgia fans will have that chance to to gather together and, you know, listen, if things go well, I don't know there's going to be a better place to be than in Athens tonight if that all goes that way. So, you know, that's that's kind of where things are. Barry Watkins says, what's the percentage of fans? Um, sometimes this can be misleading because obviously when you see everybody at the stadium, it's a little bit better idea. But I'd say I'm seeing multitudes of Georgia fans in comparison to the Alabama fans that I'm seeing. Not to say that they're not present. They are. But but it's very common to see several Georgia fans for every Alabama fan that you see. I think the balance will be a little closer once you get to game time. Maybe Georgia fans just like to enjoy themselves a little bit more. But but what I've seen so far is is kind of multiples of Georgia fans uh, in, in comparison to Alabama fans. And, you know, the entire city feels way more festive in college football-like than I would say South Florida did last week where – for the most part, things were spread out. For the most part, you know, a lot of folks didn't arrive until very late before that game. You know, already yesterday afternoon, this kind of had the feel of a big game type situation here that that not only are you seeing more Georgia fans than Alabama fans, I would say just generally speaking, you're seeing way more fans of the teams than you probably saw in South Florida last week. Yeah, and, and for, for now, we're winning the city battle. I mean, obviously there's Georgia hotels in the area and there's Alabama-centric hotels, but even in common grounds, which not a lot of people are spending time between uh, buildings because it is cold out here. But there, there are more Georgia fans that we've encountered just being out on the streets and, and among the, the town. But, you know, like you say, I, I think um, we may have gotten here early, but I fully expect there to be plenty of Alabama fans in, yeah. in the stadium tonight. Let me uh, correct myself on something. Thank you, Rick Wallace, who, by the way, has his Facebook profile picture. His <laughs> Bobby Petrino with the neck brace on, which is very funny. But he's letting us know that the Stegman Coliseum thing tonight is for for uh, UGA students and staff only. So that's not for the general public. Uh, thanks, Rick, for uh, for saying for saying that. I appreciate that. Kyle Norton also checks in to say that my concern is that Georgia isn't is is going to be overly aggressive on defense because knowing Saban, he knows we're going to be coming after Young and how to counter the over aggressive defense. So Kirby has to keep in mind how to counter react to the adjustment that Bama's going to have. I think that's probably fair and true. But what it leads me to is is that if Georgia does whatever it takes to get to Bryce Young, and I think you have to, like that, you have to do it. There's obviously a price. There's no free lunch in life, right? So if if you're sending the extra pass rush, then you have to send another pass. Like like if you're gonna, you know, overload one side of the line, or if you're gonna, you know, you know send a guy on a blitz situation, whatever else, you're clearly opening up hot route opportunities or just you know green grass for for Young to throw to. So. If, if you try that and you still don't get there, there's a huge price to pay. And, you know, you may find out pretty quick that it's just not going to happen for you tonight. But, you know, the potential risk of that I don't think obscures the fact that it's the only reward that you can get, which is get young to the ground, you know, you know limit the scoring opportunities that Alabama has one way or another. It does kind of come down to that, I think, for Georgia tonight. But there's clearly a risk associated with that. Sure, and I would not expect Georgia to just sell out and we're blitzing every play. You got to take your shots. I mean, these we basically have three defensive coordinators currently uh, creating this game plan, and and you have to pick your shots. I mean, Alabama has a great staff; they've got great players too. I think we have better players. I, I think I'm not alone in that assessment from you know independent third third parties that just look at this roster. So. Yes, I expect more pressures, a variety of pressures from Georgia, 
but it won't be in every down, every play. You have too much respect for Alabama. You know that uh, th that's a good, talented team and coaching staff that is preparing for those things. Uh, coach Marone's the offensive line coach. I have personal experience. Former NFL, former NFL head coach. I played for him not only in New Orleans, but also at Georgia. He's a former Georgia right. offensive that's line right. coach. So they have that preparation. They're going to be aware of what Georgia likes to do. And you have to be able to mix it up. You're trying to be deceptive with some of your looks where you look like you're bringing pressure. You hope the offense adjusts into a certain play that's, that's good if they bring, you know, the safety and the, and the Sam linebacker and you're looking for those. And when you show those tight blitzes and you bail out, then all of a sudden you have them covered. So it's going to be more chess than checkers. It's not like, hey, you know, Georgia needs to bring pressure and all of a sudden in this game we're just bringing the house every time and playing zero on the back end. Right. They, Alabama, even without Mechie, and if you were to be able to find a way to neutralize what's amounted to well over half their offense and, and Jamison Williams, they still have really talented players across the rest of that uh, assault unit of their offense. So, um, yes, you're going to see a variety of pressures, but it's not going to be every down. That just doesn't make sense. So I want to talk to you about something else about Alabama that it's been a little bit hard to get answers on here over the course of the last couple of days. We'll talk about that here coming up in a moment. It's our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Sinchcomb here in person in Indianapolis. Of course, as you're getting your game-watching parties ready, ready to go tonight, those pregame tailgates and all that goes along with that, Classic City Lager, a great choice for that. So that means that if you're out buying your food, wherever you're doing your grocery shopping, Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company is available in six and 12-pack cans. It's one of those year-round uh, craft brews they do. It's a lager-style beer, though. So that means it's lighter in color, but there's no sacrifice in flavor. It's a craft-style lager. It means there's great flavor. The kind of stuff that Creature Comforts Brewing Company is famous for, you can taste all of that in Classic City Lager. It's a taste of Athens. That's why they call it Classic City lager, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. But if you want to feel like you're in Athens, hopefully celebrating a big win tonight, a little Classic City Lager in your hand, certainly a great way to do all of that. Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. So I've got John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily here today. We're live from Indianapolis, and it's funny. We heard a joint press conference yesterday between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, and one of the questions that Saban faced, and you know, getting off the plane on Friday, the joint press conference yesterday, you know, the, the current health of the Alabama, whether it be you know, James Williams, who's been a little bit banged up, obviously, you know, in the case of uh, uh, Brian Robinson, the running back, he's healthier now than he was, but the entire right side of the offensive line, right guard, right tackle, you know, these are guys who are dealing with injury, and it has been slow to get any real substantive information about what's going on here, but one of the things that, that could potentially be an advantage for Georgia is, you know, Georgia's arguably healthier than it's been maybe at any point in time in the year, whereas Alabama, especially along the offensive line, we know they're dealing with some things in the secondary there as well. There are some key injuries that could be a factor in this game. Now, it, it could also be that these players just simply aren't as hurt as bad as, you know, I don't want to say the Georgia fans hope they're hurt, but in terms of creating an advantage for UGA, the wishful thinking may just not turn out to be correct there. There's also a chance it's a pretty banged-up Alabama team right now, and Nick Saban's keeping that under wraps, but come 8 p.m. tonight, you won't be able to keep that under wraps anymore. Sure, and, I, you know, I, if you're looking for an X factor in tonight's game, I think having George Pickens a month further down the road in rehab and uh, being able to engage in practice like he's been since the SEC championship, that's Georgia's significant edge on offense. And then 
uh, Alabama losing Mechie, I think that's a big deal. I mean, yes, they have a, a talented group of young players that can step up. And, you know, I don't want to slight them, but Mechie's, Mechie's one of those guys that has separated himself. Probably not to the level of Jamison, but is, is a factor. Is somebody that you have to keep an eye on. Statistically speaking, we were heading into that game saying, what, 70% of their offense runs through Jamison and Mechie, and that's no longer the case. But uh, I think for Georgia, having a healthy George Pickens really gives you another card on the table that um, is problematic for a defense. Uh, anybody knows that, I th especially in my opinion, George Pickens is one of the best 50-50 ball players yeah. To, to, to play in college right now. If you put it in his general vicinity, I like our chances of coming away with it. And listen, I feel like I've been fairly tempered with what I've said about George as of late. Coming to the SEC championship game, it's one of those things where you know, that soon off of injury, he didn't really quite know what kind of factor he'd be. You know, he did have a big catch. Uh, had uh, you know a single catch in the game in the Orange Bowl, but we saw his physicality on full display. You know, okay. if he's showing that kind of – and you're laughing because he just slams, you know, Dax Hill to the ground and, and uh, shushes the Michigan – a sideline, yeah, before and after, it kind of shushes the sideline in the process of all that. You know, that's letting me know this is a guy that feels healthy enough to be out there. And you know, I don't know that you're talking 15 times, but you give him a couple of catches because the thing about George has always been he's a highlight reel. In two catches, he may have a touchdown and a 50-yard type deal. I mean, that's the kind of thing that he does. I, I simply don't think that when it, when it comes to guys like that, you know, Pickens going to be healthy healthier than he's been. I think he has earned the right to be a part of what happens here with this George offense. He's too good to keep sidelined. And we've said the same thing about James Cook. We've said the same thing about Darnell Washington. I add Jermaine Burton to that conversation there as well, who I think could really be on the verge of, of doing something big in a game like this. But you've got to, I keep coming back to this over and over again, you've got to create something to go alongside what you think you're going to get from Brock Bowers. And uh, clearly, Saban and this Alabama defense going to try to take him away, but teams have been trying to do that now for the second half, of the, really the, most of the entirety of the season, certainly in the two postseason games. It just hasn't happened yet. Right, and you talk about health. I think we are all hopeful that Brock Bowers can you know, play 60 more minutes of, of high-level football, but he's dealing with his own. Yeah, everybody's got aches and pains and strains at this point in, in, in the season, but he's a factor. I, you know, you what I think the biggest difference is is Todd Monken and his ability to use these players and see what they bring to the table and uh, rely solely on their strength. Another guy you, you throw in there is McConkey, uh, somebody who's proven themselves uh, early this season that they're more than just a, a slot possession receiver every once in a while. He's capable of making plays. So uh, the way Georgia approaches any any Saturday or any weekend game is they rotate our wide receivers through and they keep them fresh and you're playing at 100, 100 as close as you can to 100%, at least energy-wise throughout the game. And I think that plays to our advantage. And, and really, um, it, it's been on full display, Munkin's genius, if you will, as to how he deploys all these different weapons and puts the defense in, in more compromised positions. Yeah, DMART42 also checks on the topic of these wide receivers is on YouTube saying, I see this as a big Burton or Karras game. There's one wide receiver who needs to step up. Burton's got the tools, and Stetson obviously loves Karras. Yeah, that was a comfort zone for him at the beginning of last season. And, you know, you know, Jermaine's that guy. You know, he, you got to have those guys that can kind of blow the top off the defense. For everything that George Pickens is great at, and he's great at so many things, he's not really the kind of receiver that runs past people. 
you know, Jermaine Burton can be more of that kind of thing. And you got to have that, that, that component. Obviously, a lot of the throws to Bowers are underneath type throws. A lot of the throws to Pickens are the kind of athletic, just go get it. You know, just that's what you do with him because that's kind of athlete that he is. But if you really want to stretch the, the limits of, of what Alabama's forced to defend, a guy like Burton taking the top off the defense is where you kind of have a, a little bit of a chance to do that. So, you know, I am going to circle Jermaine Burton's name tonight that if you're talking about the, the most likely path for Georgia victory, a, a pretty game, a pretty good game from a guy like Burton, who, by the way, is another one of these guys who's probably healthier now than he's really been all season. Um, a, a big game from Jermaine Burton is a big part of that. Isn't it fun? I mean, how many different names have we listed already just on offense um, of weapons that Georgia can use that could have those breakout games? You know, James Cook, Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, George Pickens being added to the conversation is huge. Jermaine Burton, McConkey, these are all playmakers for Georgia that have popped you know, either sporadically throughout the season or consistently throughout the season, depending on which name we're referring to. And I think that's uh, to the pleasure of Georgia and to the pleasure of Coach Munkin that he can use these variety of plays and systems and highlight individual guys and their skill sets and have the trust and faith in uh, the mailman to deliver uh, on a given play. And, I, you know, let's, let's not underestimate his value in that uh, throughout the season he's been a guy that when the system is working, he gets the team in the right plays, he's finding the right target, and when the system breaks down, he's been able to create twice in minimum against Michigan. You see Stetson uh, with an unblocked defensive lineman in his face to convert it into a, an easy gain for Georgia, and the sticks keep moving. So um, in the same vein that, that Bryce Young is a creator, uh, in difficult situations, and they, we have to get home on him. Stetson's been a guy to extend plays for Georgia and create uh, opportunities when the system breaks down around him. This is normally the portion of the show we would do cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, so we'll get ready to do some of that right now. By the way, make sure you check out Royal Caribbean. Uh, Cruise and Vacation Authority, the link that we'll send you to to get connected. Great to be back on the seas again. I tell you this, I'm looking forward to taking a cruise myself uh, once this season comes to an end as a way to just kind of kick back and relax and hopefully celebrate what has been a great season of the national championship, but also just kind of get a little R&R. Royal Caribbean, a great choice for all of you as you do that. So Cruise and Vacation Authority, going to tell you more about that. Uh, Find a link at dognation.com. Of course, our friends there. Check out the great ships, uh, the the great opportunities that come exclusively to Royal Caribbean uh, when you're on a, one of their cruise ships, like the Perfect Day Coco Cay, that gorgeous island oasis right there in the Bahamas. There's a thrill side, there's a chill side. I mean, you've got like the water slides and things like that on the one side, the helium balloon that takes you several hundred feet in the air on the the chill side, you got those cabanas that are kind of like being a Bora Bora, just, you know, just kick back, relax, and just enjoying yourself there. So Royal Caribbean's got all that for you. Also legendary onboard entertainment. They've kind of redefined what that means in the cruise industry. That's why it's so much fun to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. You can find out for yourself when you connect with our friends there at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. So, John, in kind of the spirit of the cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of uh, Royal Caribbean here for a moment, this is obviously an SEC versus SEC matchup tonight. You know, Greg Sankey's been here and been very proud, obviously, to see his conference represented on both sides of this game. The SEC even paid for billboards. I forget the the language, but it's like the SEC Indianapolis type tie-in there. You know, this basically SEC Indianapolis or something like that. I forget how they worded it. But how valuable do you think it is for this league to have SEC versus SEC? And I guess on the flip side of that, how, is it problematic for the rest of college football that the gap between – 
this league and the rest of the sport, really at the very top end at least, does not show any signs of diminishing anytime soon. Yes, I think it is problematic for the rest of the league because, you know, we've always had the SEC as the best conference in college football. And I think there's only been a greater stratification between the the masses, if you will, and the high-end teams. And uh, every player across the country that's in high school that wants to go play at a high level, the first place they're looking right now is, is the Southeastern Conference. And, yes, that's been mostly the theme, but even more so now in that you see consistently – uh, teams representing their schools that are coming from the SEC. That matters. And one of the things that both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart talked about yesterday was that, okay, so if you're going to have, like, say, liberal use of the transfer portal or name image likeness opportunities, now maybe you should have those anyway, and certainly there are plenty of people who think you should. But there's also a pocket of folks who kind of argue for those kinds of expansions, you know, more use of the transfer portal, more opportunities for NIL because they think it's going to balance the playing field between the haves and the have-nots. And Nick Saban's very clear about saying this yesterday that that really that gap is going to open up even more because ultimately there's going to be a lot less of player leaving Georgia to go be somewhere else. There's going to be players coming into Alabama, coming into, I mean, Alabama's already got Jameer Gibbs coming in next year, great running back. Uh, the thing that makes Alabama so tough to beat right now is the presence of Jameson Williams to transfer from Ohio State that, that we're really in a situation where, okay, you can have these new rules and maybe you should just have them, you know, on their own at face value. But if you're, cheering for the adoption of more transfer stuff and NIL stuff as a way of, hey, taking Bama and Georgia down a peg or whichever top SEC teams there may be in a given year, that really those just become tools and really weapons that the Alabamas and the Georgias eventually use themselves to kind of protect the monopoly they seem to enjoy. Well, Georgia will have a number of transfers, but it's going to be guys that we wish well as they leave the door. You know what I mean? You you want them to have opportunities. And I think that's – one of the issues with the transfer portal, it's great for some players. It's great for some guys to be able to uh, move up in rank, if you will, to to greater opportunities for national recognition and competing for championships. That's good for that individual player. Now, it comes at the expense of someone else, maybe somebody in the program who's, who's worked hard and has had to earn his way into an opportunity that all of a sudden is being taken by the guy who's walking in the door. And now he, this player, who was expecting to fill that role is saying, I've got to look elsewhere. Well, that's a trickle-down effect. I mean, it. yes, you start at the, the top end, but really you work your, your way down into some of the other programs that have invested in these players. you got a guy where you want him. You've, you've in, invested in him. Now he's playing good ball, and he leaves your program. And so you're scrambling, and you're taking – um, you know, what's left from some of the bigger programs, and it, it limits the opportunities for guys that actually want to come up and earn their way. Whole nother discussion sure. uh, for another day. But, yeah, it, it certainly has changed the landscape of, of college athletics, and that's just talking about the transfer portal. You know, the NIL, it's great opportunity for some players, but um, it certainly is steering some decision-making, which, you know, I think we all didn't have to leap that far to think that that would be a factor as to, to where players coming out of high school are wanting to end up. We're going to take one more trip around the comment section here in a moment. Let me uh, take care of a couple pieces of business before we get there. First of all, shout out to our friends at Space Dogs. You know, you've heard me talk about the crypto space a little bit. When you hear me talk about it, you can sort of tell 
I'm not really quite so sure BA is an expert when it comes to the uh, crypto world. Well, guess what? That's probably true. However, my friends at Space Dogs, they definitely are. They've actually uh, created some cool new products, including their own cryptocurrency that allows you to kind of take some of the mystery out of the world of crypto and understand how what Space Dogs does can benefit you there as well. Check out the Dogs token, the Dogs wallet, the new Space Card, which just really provides you in kind of the simplest basic sense a way to make safer more secure transactions online and if you go to their website uh, even smart folks who understand crypto still know how to spell dogs d-a-w-g-s uh, dogs.io that's the website dogs.io d-a-w-g-s you can learn about the dogs token the dogs wallet the space card you can learn about how space dogs is creating some really cool opportunities for uga fans to get into the crypto world with some folks who also love uga just as much as uh, you do and are big friends of ours here at dog nation so check out Space Dogs, dogs.io for a lot more on that. I'll also give out a couple of golden shoes here. I was lucky enough last night to be able to uh, take around some of those Chase for the Championship t-shirts. Now, by the way, I still have, uh, I had kind of partitioned off a collection for today there as well. So in and around the stadium before the game today, I'm going to be giving out some more Chase for the Championship t-shirts. But so many folks were nice enough to come up and say hello to us yesterday. We were able to give out some of these uh, there last night. So we'll show you some of these on the screen and make those our golden shoe winners for today. Some folks who enjoyed a Chase for the Championship t-shirt as George tries to finish off that chase. And by the way, I'm really proud of these chase for the championship T-shirts. They're Indianapolis-themed. You know, you got the Indianapolis street sign on there, a highway sign. So uh, we're having a good time being here, and these T-shirts are a great way for you to kind of remember your time in Indianapolis there as well. Going to try to give away a few more of those here today. I do not remember what the Gatorade countdown is, but it's 290-something days between now and when Georgia goes to Jackson. We hope, as the reigning national champion, taking those lousy, stinking gators down a peg there at that point in time. So we'll give you kind of a non-specific gator hater countdown today. Just to let you know, back next October, we are looking forward to being in Jacksonville. Also, I will see you a lot throughout the day here today on uh, video. A couple of editions of our Kroger kickoff coming up pregame. And then after the game for the Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore. And listen, I don't ask a lot in life, and I'm not even quite so sure I've lived well enough to earn this ask. But please, please let this be a happy celebratory show. I certainly hope it is. Either way, I'll see you after the game there for that. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on video, time now for a couple of comments here on our R.S. Andrews cool down. R.S. Andrews when you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Dari, Payro, loves national championship and uh, college football, all that kind of stuff. We love talking ball with him, and they're obviously great at taking care of you for your you know, heat, my heating needs. Right now, this is a reminder when it's so cold here to make sure you get that heating system at home tuned back up to factory fresh specs so you can make it through the winter that's still on its way in Georgia. Now, Georgia winter... Nothing like an Indiana winner, but nonetheless, you still want that heating system taken good care of. So check out R.S. Andrews for more on that at rsandrews.com. All right, a couple minutes left here. We're going to bounce through dognation.com, bounce through uh, YouTube, Facebook, and we'll get ready to roll after that. So um, Randy Hall said we should have had Rodrigo Blankenship in the show. I did see him the other day around the state, and this is obviously uh, Rodrigo's town now as the uh, kicker for the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh Glad to see Rodrigo enjoying himself here in Indianapolis, and I know uh, Indianapolis has taken to him quite well, and who knows, if we bump into him, maybe we will pull him over and have him on the broadcast. Yeah, it's always fun to see Georgia guys uh, succeed in the NFL, and you know, a hot rod was dealing with injury and didn't really finish out the year the way he wanted to. Really, the Colts didn't. It was surprising to, to see the end of their season. They're packing up their lockers today, but uh, it, it certainly has been a great host for us, and you mentioned it earlier in the show that 
they set a great environment. Indianapolis has done a fantastic job of accommodating, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that come into town for a game like this, and it seems like a circus that surrounds it, and they've done so seamlessly, especially considering it's in the teens out there temperature-wise. Jacob Yarbrough at DogNation.com says in 2017, the national championship just felt like the cherry on top of a magical season. This season, though, it feels like it's just a taking of what's ours. So he says, let's cap off this record-breaking year with the national championship season and the trophy coming back to Athens. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly, if you want to do side-by-side comparison between this Georgia team and the one from 2017, even though that team had a lot of very special players, I think the only area where I'm clearly giving the edge to the 2017 team is probably running game and the offensive line that opened holes for that running game. I think I'm going to favor the 2017 team on that. Other than that, you know, you know, quarterback, you've got a more experienced Stetson Bennett compared to what was true freshman Jake Fromm at the time. I think this defense is clearly better in all phases than the 2017 team was. And listen, the 2017 team is one of the, the favorite special teams of my sporting fandom live. But um, I think uh, Jacob here is onto something when he says that the idea of that team winning would have seemed like sort of like the culmination of a magical ride. And for the most part, there's no real, I guess, other than the Stetson Bennett story a little bit because it's non-traditional. But in terms of the other 21 guys who kind of count as starters, there's really very little magical about that. This isn't Hoosiers, right? We're, you know, we're just down the road from Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, I actually saw the Butler Bulldog yesterday, which is kind of cool, the uh, mascot. Um, but this is not a, oh, how did Georgia do this? This is the kind of thing they're expecting to do when you have this kind of talent and as Jacob said go out and finish it off and cap off what has already been a dominant season with a national championship that makes some sense to me yeah and I think Georgia at the start of the year everybody was saying this might be and probably will be the most talented roster of any in college football and they they've been proven right more often than they have wrong with the exception of one game you're looking at this team and saying this is basically what we expected we expected the defense to, to carry most of the water and an improvement from the offense. If anything, I think the offense has outperformed what the expectations were for them heading into the season. I think the multiplicity from from a number of young guys, specifically Brock Bowers, has vaulted this offense from good to to really um, almost complementary to arguably one of the best defenses to play in college football. You know, with, with the exception of one game, uh, very rarely did we see more than two touchdowns scored. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we've come to know from this team. And uh, it's, it's because of what the expectations were uh, heading into the season being lived up to by this Georgia team. It wasn't a surprise, whereas, you know, there's been some other years where you have good players, but top to, top to bottom, this roster is loaded. Philip Hudson, our Facebook comment section, said that Georgia's going to be fine tonight. And I don't ask this on, on a sarcastic basis. And I'm not trying to be negative, but... You know, we've seen Georgia get off to good starts against Alabama. They were 10-0 even this past game. Obviously, halftime leads in the three times prior to that. I guess this is not me trying to be sarcastic or, you know, uh, whatever. Like, what would need to happen tonight for you to feel, okay, this really is. I'm trying to decide how big of a lead George would have to have before I'd be like, yep, that's it, folks. I mean, I, I just, you know, going back to the whole boogeyman thing, uh, you know, until I see Michael Myers, you know, laying there when their final credits roll, I, I guess there's a part of me that's just going to be kind of on guard for in anything. Pieces, right? Michael Myers needs to that, be in pieces. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And, you know, figuratively speaking, I think the same thing is going to be true for Alabama tonight. There's a very good chance that Georgia is fine, but I'm really not quite so sure what would happen in the game that would make me think, yep, that's it, boys. This time really is different. I think it's going to take 
I mean, I hate to be this way, but I think it's going to take zeros at the end of the fourth quarter for me to truly feel that way. Yeah, I think that's for all of us, and that's out of respect for Alabama. I mean, they're a team that's proven themselves. They stay at this high level. That's really hard to do, and uh, this isn't too. This moment's not too big for them. So, you know, one of the early indicators for, for I think for all of us is the ability for this defense to get home. If you, if you can affect Bryce with frequency, which is something that has eluded us in the SEC championship game, if that starts happening, then you, you got to feel better uh, um, that this game will play out different than it did a month ago. But you know, like you say, until it's all zeros. It's tough to count out a, a Nick Saban-led team when they have a, a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback and have proven to you know, steal our joy late in the game. Doghouse Outdoors says, where can I see you before the game, B.A.? So I am going to be out and about, and I don't quite know exactly where I'm going to be yet. There is a part of me that I, I do kind of want to get a little bit of the outdoor vibe. Uh, I know it's going to be freezing cold, but there's a part of me that at least wants to give a taste of that before the game, maybe somewhere outside. But I know a lot of you are going to be tailgating sort of inside, you know, whether it be hotel bars or, you know, restaurants, things like that. So I'm going to try to get a sense for where folks are, and I'll try to kind of blast out where we are there as well because I want to give away more T-shirts and just say hello to a lot of Georgia fans. So I'll try to be, you know, commutative about, you know, where I'm going to be for all of that. I'm going to do more, uh, like, one or two more comments. We'll have kind of a final thought here. But a little earlier, I kind of misfired and jumped the gun on some golden shoes. Let me show you the folks who uh, won those yesterday who also picked up, speaking of T-shirts, those Chase the Championship T-shirts, we'll show you this on the screen right now as a way of just saying thanks to them for coming up and saying hello to us and getting a chance to enjoy those last night. And hopefully today I'll be able to give out some more to uh, some of you. So congratulations to our Golden Shoe winners and those who were able to pick up some Chase for the Championship T-shirts with us there last night. I was able to give away a few more there as well. Don't have pictures of all of those, but um, did give away a good many of those last night. So uh, thanks to Michael Carvel for showing that off as a part of our Golden Shoe here today. All right, let's find a really good final comment to um, go out the door on. Um, Dare, uh, John S. says, how about 24 of 34 for Stett, 284 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I'd take that as a stat line for Stett, I believe. Man, absolutely. And, you know, I think you look statistically, there's only been two games where he's thrown for 30 uh, pass attempts or more. One was Michigan, turned out really well. The other, he got closer to 50. What was it, 48 pass attempts against Alabama. That's not the recipe for Georgia. So, you know, that balance that you create, Stetson, you know, being as productive as he was in Michigan, I'd like to keep it, you know, around that 30 number, I think is a great place to be for Georgia at the end of the day. And the zero interceptions thing is so big, you know, and he's acknowledged that, Kirby's acknowledged that, you can't give Alabama the football. And the, the challenge there is, as I said before, there's no free lunch. You also can't play so careful with the only thought of avoiding interceptions because that's not giving you a chance to make enough plays to win the game. You've got to, you've got to put yourself out there in harm's way a little bit to make the big throws that are needed to be made. You're just going to make sure you connect on them in tight windows and doing the things that a big-time quarterback does, which is what Stetson Bennett has proven to be for Georgia over the course of this season. Yeah, and if we're, if we're highlighting individual players, I think uh, a healthier Jamari Salyer yeah. um, is, is – to Georgia's advantage. Uh, much was made of Aiden Hutchinson coming into that Michigan game and both tackles, McClendon in, included, and really it was a concerted effort. Darnell Washington, you know, backs were involved in the blocking approach to Ojobi, Ojabi and, uh, and Hutchinson. But Will Anderson's one of those guys that he's a factor. We saw it um, in the SEC championship game where he can make plays really throughout the season. 
um, he's been a guy that you have to account for. So a, a healthier Salyer, uh, we saw what he was capable of last week against a high-end, very productive defensive end. And I think you need that kind of performance again today. He's going to make himself a lot of money based on his last three games of the year because he's gone up against the very best that they're talking about, uh, you know, early first-round guys. And it's another one of those matchups that it's hard to imagine that Will Anderson might be overlooked when you're talking about this game. But he's been a factor for them frequently um, and it's been the ability of, of Georgia's tackles to really just silence what's going on in the edges that has allowed Stetson to make the plays, and really that needs to be a, another non-factor, a, non, a non-story that uh, our tackles play to a level that, that we don't even notice them. That's always a good thing. I agree with that. Normally when we sign off, we'll say we see you again tomorrow. Today, I say, see you again a little bit later on this afternoon. So get your work done. Do what you got to do to get ready for tonight, and then we'll see Kroger kickoff outside the stadium coming up in just a few hours' time. For those of you in Indianapolis, make it the best time you can. For those of you at home, we'll try to keep you uh, updated on everything that's happening here. Dog Nation bands together tonight to try to bring home a national championship. Thanks for being a part of this with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window Indoor of Georgia and RRS Andrews Cooldown. Big, big thanks to John Stinchcomb for being a part of this there as well. We will talk to you in a little bit.